Yeah, I just hear JT <laughs> through the wall. Of, and, and he's in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I, I, know. Room. I can I can go to the different room. I didn't mean to take your bedroom <laughs> from you. Well, you have it. You have just a chair that doesn't belong in there and a person <laughs> that also doesn't belong in there. I, hey, <laughs> do you want to switch? We can switch. No, oh, we're here now. We did the okay. levels. We can't change or else the levels are going to I think he's right. Is this extended clip or the odd couple? <laughs> Welcome to extended clip episode 18. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. And I'm Malcolm Baum. Uh, I'm JT White. What's up, dude? Where'd you go? I, I you, like you just said, I went to Philly. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I'm yeah. on vacation. You oh. rudely interrupted my yeah. vacation with a podcast crisis. I had to take off my sun hat and... Uh, <laughs> Like, put on my business suit again, uh, put on the extended clip cock ring, and just get ready to pod again mobily. But it's okay. Ringed up and ready. I like it. Well, for those not in the know, and we do have an additional guest tonight, but we will get to him. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) To clear the air here, we had episode 18, Locked and Loaded, uh, and I lost the files, and I'm not going to blame the fires in the San Fernando Valley for my hard drive. <laughs> but I'd like a little sympathy. <laughs> no hey, no no excuses. That's what I say. I can't open my windows out here, man. Friday night, dude, you know how valuable my time is? I <laughs> I could be making money right now. <laughs> <laughs> you could be on your side hustle. This is true. this is your side hustle. My side though. hustle. Yeah, that's true. I've been making a lot of money off this recently. In so. the gig economy, the best thing you can do is a podcast. <laughs> Especially me, recently unemployed. Now the podcast is my full time job. Hell yeah! Which extraordinary wages here? I'm making like negative two thirty an hour. <laughs> it's it's pretty sick. We're all in. Yeah. This, there's 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 nowhere to hide now. We're all in on this. So anyway, I uh, I deleted the episode because I was trying to burn a Jerry Lewis movie on DVD uh, onto my computer, and I was uh, deleting files and I got clumsy and I deleted some stems. Just that's a real Jerry Lewis move <laughs> of you to make. <laughs> yeah, I had like three laptops and I was pounding on all the keyboards trying to figure out what went wrong <laughs> running across the room. <laughs> then I just kicked the desk and all the laptops fell. <laughs> that's really screwball. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, so I fucked up, and we had an episode in the can that we recorded right after the Joker episode from last week. Our critically acclaimed episode. Uh, yeah. Our, the clickbait worked, baby. Yep. Uh, one of our most played episodes on the first day. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, people people want to know what's going on with the Joker, and I feel like we, we had the first take out there, and, you know, we're kind of going against the grain still. Yeah, no, I, I gotta say, I'm not here to call out any other podcasts. But uh, I'm just saying we had the right politics take. Oh, yeah. We're so political. Yeah. And we're not even political or funny. But the political funny <laughs> show, they got it wrong. True. We're, we're just in. We just we're not even political. We're just right in nature. We just we're, we're just like. Uh, well, we're right in nature in the sense that we're like Second Amendment defenders and. 2A, baby. Yeah. There are certain you know rights as Americans. All you right? clippers out there. Why don't you go load the clip right now? <laughs> Loading the clip is simply downloading episodes of extended clip. <laughs> or loading. Your I have my travel sidearm with me. 
Never leave home without it. Yeah. It's like an old MP3 player that you have a couple episodes loaded on, you know, Mm -hmm. just in case the phone dies. I mean, just, you know, you could have a gun or you could have something more dangerous, you know. Which is the extended clip podcast. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the episode was a uh, animation double feature that JT picked out and it was uh, The Illusionist and Cool World, the Ralph Bashke movie. And uh, JT... We're not going to talk about these movies, but you want to tell us a little bit about why you wanted to do an episode on those movies? <laughs> and, you, and you deleted it because it couldn't see the light of air. Yeah, this, um, this is but JT's. Wait, first, Spare first no I wanna, details. I want to introduce our guest. Uh, oh my God, it, how did I forget? <laughs> yeah. I wish he was in how the room. How dare you? No, oh, no, dude, oh, just, oh, damn, oh, I was just straightening out my sleeve and Eddie thought I was about to hit him. <laughs> Eddie, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie just... <laughs> damn. Podcast alpha for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. No, but uh, d- do you want to introduce yourself, darling? Um, I was. I'm sorry. I was waiting to be got to. Uh, <laughs> well, it's here. I'm, Step up. I'm, hello, everybody. I'm Nico. I live here. I used to live there, but I don't anymore. And that's, I mean, hey, if that's the kind of introduction he's going to give, uh, that's why I held out so long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nico, Jeez, that's it's like, just that's... like you're whispering it in my ear. It makes the podcast more erotic. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, well, that's how I'll pitch being a guest to the next couple people I ask uh, to come on the pod. <laughs> we need, like, some like s- some sex, like, some, like, you know, big, like, we need, like, a poster... It's like big That's boobs. why I brought a Nico. Hell yeah. Sex. Hell yeah. All right, dude. You know what? You're right. So we didn't give him a proper introduction. Our, our guest is also in Philly, and he used to live here in L.A. for a bit with JT, and he's a friend of the pod. He's the honorary fourth Mike. Well, he shares that position with Lights Camera Jackson. Yeah. And uh, I'll kick his ass. He will kick Lights Camera Jackson's ass. Nico is not a large man, but there is no doubt that he would just he would kill two lights camera jacksons if he had the chance <laughs> that is not a threat allegedly <laughs> yeah see it's it's like a, it's a hypothetical because there aren't two lights camera jacksons so it's okay like to say i want to kill two lights camera jacksons rather than just saying i want to kill lights camera jackson I do so much more than kill <laughs> <laughs> Nico Markopoulos is on the show and uh how you doing man it's been a long time since i've seen you or talked to I you yeah i haven't seen or spoken to you since uh was it a five guys that we went no it wasn't a five guys it was uh we got we got food this is we got in now. We got you're in just now. shitting on california you just <laughs> leave california and you say oh i don't know we went to five guys or something oh congrats congratulations you guys figured out burgers <laughs> <laughs> hey, we figured out clean we conservative out, we burgers. Out get a burger that's not as bad. I, I'm just there for the peanuts, man. You know, I'm just free peanuts. Five, you to mine gold. Guys. When I when the Five Guys in Northridge first opened up, and I went there, people were just tossing peanut shells on the ground, <laughs> and I thought that was just the rule there yeah. that you're just allowed to toss the shells on the ground on the ground like it's a trash can. And uh, it was gross. That's unruly. It's fucked up. <laughs> that's that's really when I felt like I'm uh, I'm the Joker. Is when I'm at restaurants where you can throw peanut shells on the floor. 
And then you spit your gum out on the floor. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how the Joker would do it. You should be able to like, spit dip in there. <laughs> those, those type of venues. So, as we were getting to the films that we were going to talk about for episode 18, J- JT, you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, animation fascination? <laughs> your animation yeah, I love domination? <laughs> I, I just, I've loved hentai ever since I was a little boy. Um, but no, I like, I don't know, animation has always been like a particular area of interest. I think like getting into pop culture like through the Simpsons, like does that. And I like branched off like early on with like other, like mostly animated, like television work. Um, but then up until like a little bit in college, I sort of fell out like watching as many animated things. Um, uh, but towards the tail end and Nico could attest to this. And he was like a part of like, we, we like had a moment where we got real deep into some of the alternate or like, underground like animation stuff from the 70s in like comic forms first with like well i mean like i guess like that's comic art and like obviously it a like, little different it was it was uh bakshi first wasn't it yeah bakshi was first and so that was why the bakshi half of the double feature was cool world because that was one i hadn't finished and then the illusionist uh felt like the perfect like highbrow sort of hoity-toity uh companion to like the dirty sexy horny big-titted cartoons <laughs> of uh bakshi's work and yeah it started with uh bakshi for me like uh like a a re-interest in animation and so i wanted to talk about some cartoons and we did uh we did but we did. And for the record and you don't have to reference your letterbox score. We can just go off the dome. But I know the extended clip listeners who keep score at home are dying to <laughs> the bullet ratings for both of these films. Yeah. All right. So for The Illusionist, I gave it one bullet. Gave it two. Bullets. Uh, three bullets. And for Cool World, I gave it three bullets. I gave it the two and a half bullets. Uh, that was a three bullet flick for me. I'm harsh on harsh on it. But it was nice. I enjoyed it. Do a bit of an extended mailbag segment, but we're going to do it throughout the episode. So we're going to be flipping back and forth between you've got mail and you've got movies. That is so stupid. <laughs> no, this is again. no, please, please, please leave that in, please. <laughs> I'll I'll make sure to leave an even longer pause there <laughs> before the reaction. <laughs> so yeah, we're just gonna be going back and forth between these things. So, Malcolm, you want to go first? Is there anything in particular you want to shout out that you've seen in since the last record? Yeah, you know what? I think I do. There's this movie called Memories of Underdevelopment. Uh, it was pretty good. I watched oh, it. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, you fuck with that. I just saw that recently as well. Oh, hell yeah. So feel free to, to chime in because I never have anything to say about the movies I watch. Um, Memories, it's the Cuban one, right? Yeah, it's Cuban. It's like a, what? It's about like a like an author who's wandering around Cuba after the Bay of Pigs mm-hmm. and like uh, his wife has just left him for America, I think, uh, mm-hmm. basically saying like, I don't want you to follow me. Don't follow me. And so he's just like this pseudo intellectual who then goes and buys Lolita from a bookstore and then does a Lolita. Uh, oh, that's so cool! Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty sick. It's real good. It was pretty. Yeah, I like. I kind of liked how much of an unlikable character he was at points. Like, I think, 
you know, everyone he knows is leaving. Like his best friend is leaving. His parents are already left. And um, he just he he just wants to stay around just because he like he wants to spite all those people. There's no like political a lot of a lot of politics going on around him, but he doesn't really have to seem a vested political interest. Yeah, he does kind of pull a Lolita. I didn't realize that the that she was so young. That was that was kind of a shocker to me. Um, it has a good uh, men's right activist uh, court <laughs> scene where he beats a yeah. false uh, rape accusation. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So I was pretty stoked to see that. The film of the Me Too era. Yeah, it was. It's really good. I really, I really liked it a lot. I, I don't know if I'm selling it in the best way, but no, I think most of our listeners will want to watch a film that uh, it's about the facts. You know, it's not. It's not just (laughs) listening to people cry. You know, it's about evidence. Let's hit the mailbag. Yeah. First one (laughs) comes right after we finished recording last week. Sorry. Uh, it's from Ryan Kelly email and he says best coffee shop in Brooklyn Ryan well all right that's nothing so let's do another one uh, you don't vet these before you, <laughs> before you read them we just let any joker on air yeah straight Kills from the hip. it's the open email policy of extended clip that we're praised for I'm too I'm too down to earth to ever be in Brooklyn or visit it that's that's just all I gotta say. I've never been to Brooklyn in my life. What about you, yeah. JT? I went to a Dunkin' Donuts when I was in Brooklyn. I think that's probably the best one. Yeah. Anyway, the next one is also from Ryan Kelly email. It's from like a couple days after that, and the uh, <laughs> his follow up. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, subject is Moonstruck VHS, and it says someone donated a VHS copy of Moonstruck to the library. I wake at tonight. Remember when you had discussed it? Yeah, I remember that. I do remember it, and I even remember discussing watching it on VHS once. So, how about that? <laughs> Question answered. Jason, yeah. uh, you seen anything in particular that you want to shout out from last week? Um, yeah, let's see here. I've been, uh, as per usual, I think the last month, I've been pounding back TCM Westerns uh, oh, yeah. voraciously. I watched, I don't know, I think I would say two, like, really big ones uh, that I hadn't seen before. Uh, My Darling Clementine, uh, 1946 by John Ford. Uh, And uh, that was a fantastic time. Uh, I love, like, pretty much all, like, I mean, especially Henry Fonda. Fuck, he was in, um, what's the other Ford Western? Young Mr. Oh, not Western. but uh, Oh, Ford Apache? Um, yeah, Fort Apache oh, yeah. and Young Mr. Lincoln. Like, yeah, not a Western, uh, but his... one of the best movies ever. Those are like yeah, my three all, favorite Fords. All of those performances are phenomenal. And uh, I don't know. What more can I say about like a Ford film that I feel like has been talked, out, talked about forever? Uh, it's a true blue classic. And the framing in that in particular, I mean, striking and just like the way he tells uh, such intimate masculine stories are beautiful. And then as a sidebar, I was, I've been whistling my darling Clementine ever since. Gets a damn fine tune stuck in your head too. Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Oh shit. Yeah. I can't even whistle. I remember that was the uh, that was the basis of some early parody songs on the schoolyard, which we didn't know what we were singing. <laughs> we just knew the melody of it. 
and uh, one of them was like uh, like about living in the garbage, and that was good. Yeah. Do you remember how it went? Well, it was instead yeah. of "Oh my darling," it was "In the garbage." Maybe you could sing it. I'm a... not going to do that. I'm <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. don't you give us a few bars? Yeah. Of that. <laughs> All right. One, two, three. So uh, after that, we're going to go back to the emails, and uh, this one comes from Robbie, and it says, "What's the first movie you remember watching and thinking, wow, this sucks, and I'm not enjoying it?" This is a very good Nico question. and I we had, had this had conversation, conversation. Wow. Really? Wow. earlier today. Yeah. Wow! Great. Oh my goodness. Go on. <laughs> and... Yeah. Okay, Nico, do you want to leave? Uh, I remember first movie that I uh, was like just genuinely I felt disappointed in, and like didn't know I could have that sort of emotional reaction to cinema. Uh, was Dumb and Dumber. Oh. Uh, the sequel to Dumb and Dumber, uh, which I like saw in the theaters with my parents and I made them go to it and they were like upset with me after <laughs> for, for like forcing them to go to Dumb and Dumber because it's just like a bad time. Nothing of any merit or entertainment value occurs. There's that and Shrek the Third also uh, very disappointing. I would say, uh, for myself, also similar in, like, a shitty uh, studio comedy, uh, I think it was watching Master of Disguise on, like, a DVD. Like, a friend of mine, uh, like, decided to put it on. He's like, oh, this is so great. You're going to love this. And, like, he was fucking dying. But I was not having that shit. And I was just like... I remember thinking, like, during watching it, I was like, is something wrong with me? Like, I should be <laughs> laughing at this. But I, uh, later later years, the legacy of uh, Master of Disguise has vindicated me and uh, and my feelings on it. Oh, the legacy. Are you referring to the, uh, the 9-11 incident with the turtle scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The most heroic moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for all you uh, Twitter heads out there looking to get some easy likes, uh, you know, I, th- I think people have posted it lately. Wait a month, post a screenshot of the IMDb trivia of that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, easy win. If you want to become a great tweeter, don't hesitate to steal anything. Oh, steal. yeah. Just like popular points of film trivia, kind of mm-hmm. just that would be in like a game or something. <laughs> just put that as a tweet with a picture of the guy. Do that now. And we're back. <laughs> No, what about you fellas, though? Yeah, I... What were your first terrible movies? I, I'm thinking... I'm trying to think right now. Well, I grew up watching a lot of girl movies because of my sister, so I constantly... Girls was... are terrible, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I've come back Yuck. around... I've, I've talked about coming back around on at least Bring It On. I think that might actually be the only one that I've fully, fully come back around on, like, thinking it's a great movie, but... I, I think... Well, sorry, what was that? Said I didn't know you had a vagina. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Busted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of those movies, though, I do have a vivid memory of walking to the uh, video store that we would go to because we went to Blockbuster sometimes, but there was also just a really shitty independently owned video store that just had like the clear CD cases, you know, uh, next to the Seven Eleven by my house. And I remember we rented the Lizzie McGuire movie. And I had watched a lot of Lizzie McGuire on TV at that point and thought it sucked because it was for girls. But the movie, I remember, just really being torturous. Uh, 
and I probably watched it four times as a kid, you know? But I remember that first viewing, really just wanting to leave and not being able to. Damn. Pretty good movie, though, probably. Yeah, probably. Like, in the scheme of, in the scheme of like, Disney Channel movies, and so, I mean, I guess that was a theatrical movie based on a Disney Channel show, so... Mm-hmm. Middle ground. I don't know. Yeah. Write in with your thoughts at the, the was it Lizzie McGuire movie? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? But in terms of something more, I don't know, uh, interesting, like when you're actually in like cinephilia, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I was fucking bored by like Winter Light. I thought that shit was trash. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And I, I liked the first couple Bergman I'd seen at that point mm-hmm. too. So I thought I was ready for, to take the deep dive. And then Winter Light, I was like, Get this shit out of here. <laughs> Recycle bin classic. Damn. Straight to the bin. I, all right. These are like, I feel like I, there's probably something earlier, but this is what I'm coming up with right now. I remember just being bored by like, I hate, I still kind of don't like nature documentaries. And I remember seeing like March of the Penguins or something like that. I'm like, this sucks. Like, fuck <laughs> this. <movie." laughs> also, I remember seeing my parents take me to a cave of forgotten dreams at a young age before I even knew Herzog <laughs> was. And I was like, yeah, fuck this boring ass movie. Fuck a documentary. Um, and I remember seeing beastly. This is for the, you know, if anyone recognizes beastly, I got to give him mad props, but it was a movie with Alex pedophile pedophile. I don't know his name. Um, <laughs> I think it's Alex pedophile and Vanessa Hudgens. And like, it was like a modern day beauty and the beast allegory. And, uh, fucking sucked um <laughs> but like for one like one i remember like for like hi, i guess a higher brow i remember when i realized birdman sucked right after i saw it and i was just like i was like damn so it's like when everyone says a movie is good does that mean it could be bad or something <laughs> i remember th- <laughs> birdman birdman woke me up damn dude birdman was your woke moment woke moment and now my whole life has been a woke moment ever since my whole life has been a Birdman moment. <laughs> Jumping out the window. Going viral. <laughs> Going viral. Um, Nico, have you uh, you been checking out any films or anything else lately you'd like to report on? Films? I've been... It's been spooky season. Spooky oh, yeah. We don't do that on this show. You guys don't talk about anything spooky? Uh, not during October, no. Bold move. Too well, old. in that case, <laughs> too different. Case. Too different from the rest. Too elite. <laughs> <laughs> um, huh, it's a good question. Oh, I just recently finished The Sopranos. Ooh. Oh hell yeah, that is cinema. So I don't baby. know. I don't know if you've heard. It's pretty good. It's some pretty good TV. Uh, just yesterday, we had a whole smorgasbord of viewings. One of which was the 90s Woody Woodpecker cartoon. Nice. Which was also surprisingly good. He has, like, a neighbor. It's a walrus uh, who's Swedish, right? Yeah, Swedish or Norwegian. Some sort of... Some sort of Nordic animal. Some Uh, sort of white male. (laughs) Oh, but the best, the really great episode was it was uh, starring Chili Willy, who's like the little penguin that doesn't talk. Uh, he wanted to, because he's chilly, he wanted to get warm. So he uh, has, like, some, like, um, what's his name? Frasier-ass polar bear that <laughs> lives next to him. And he just wanted to do, like, anything to sleep inside the polar bear. Like, in the polar bear. Uh, so that was really good. 
Damn, dude, you say Frazier, I'm in, you know? Especially Frazier ass. Yeah, this was definitely a there. Frazier heads know that throughout the series, the size of his ass is remarked upon quite a bit. <laughs> it's large. It's large. He's got he's got a, a rump, a well, nice rump on him. Yeah, and the, I don't think I don't think Kelsey Grammer's that thick. No, I don't think. I'm gonna say either. that right now. He's got a juicy I'm one on him. That. Is that what you're telling me? I'm gonna me? look up Kelsey Grammer ass. <laughs> yeah, well, Let's because see. it's a plot point in this one episode um, where these shock jocks come on the radio where uh, Kelsey works, and so they keep prank calling him at home. <laughs> but the subject of all the prank calls is about how big his butt is. Damn. Yeah, and they even do a song about Fraser Crane's humongous ass. It's pretty good. It's a good episode. That's that does sound like a good episode. I would say it's top ten. Wow. Yeah, it's mm, top fifteen. I, there's, I found, I'm trying to search Kelsey Grammer's ass, and there's a picture where it looks like he's being jerked off by a masseuse, but Ooh. like it's a little blurry, so I can't tell. Allegedly, like these the Epstein files on him. Yeah, allegedly Travolta style <laughs> being jacked off uh, by a masseuse. I but got I confirmation see. on that. Let's, we can make it official. There's no bare ass on here. So, and like, but from the from the size of the man, you see his frame. He does not look caked out. Damn. You see some profile, <laughs> no curves. I just, I gotta say, uh, Kelsey, that that episode is not founded in any truth. Kelsey Grammer has no ass. Maybe that ass was fat in the '90s, though. You, you have to consider these things, like the the ass culture at the time. <laughs> there was none in the 90s wasn't it more in like the 2000s or yeah, even 2010s a lack of ass culture is oh, that's ass true. culture that's true yeah yeah that's... Frazier was made now there would be an episode about him like being having to eat ass or something Kyle's <laughs> <laughs> there are certain elements with which I will not tamper yeah, he's too posh to eat ass. <laughs> but then he finds out everyone else has been doing it. Do you drink sherry with that mouth? <laughs> that would rule. Yeah, that they should would bring rule. it back. They should re- bring back Fraser, but only if yeah. it's like TVMA and like yeah. it's only dirty. The jokes. adult version. Same I mean, fuck. There are a lot of dirty jokes in Fraser, but it's so it's like the PG dirty jokes, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like that parody Seinfeld account, modern day, but like with Fraser. Yeah, I, I think that would be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of those accounts out there already. No one's done it quite justice. No one's quite done Fraser mm. modern day. Because he wouldn't have a podcast. Kelsey Grammer is a Republican. He's on the radio. Oh, or he's on YouTube. He's he, he gets fucked up off the pills too, like Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I think the. Uh, I think he still would be doing it. Yeah, yeah. That oh, would yeah. be awesome, yeah. Uh, That's fucking sick. That is sick. So, our next email, the subject is New Eastwood looking kind of thick, though. Uh, <laughs> it says, thoughts on the new Richard Jewell trailer? And more generally, do you think these major event concept film that Eastwood has tackled in recent years, Sully, 1517, now Richard Jewell, has some juice left in it? Or are you worried it might be stale now? Cheers, Brian C. or Ray Z. Um, what was I, the major concept of the mule? Well, no, he well, no, he's not include the mule on there, but that was oh. still kind of a real story, right? Yeah, that was still a true story, mm-hmm. right? Or based on true story? Thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's like loosely based on one uh, paper clipping. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the other ones are more just recreations of real things, I guess. 
American Sniper too. Yeah, American Sniper too. That is ambitiously bad. Oh yeah. Well, if uh, if you know what's good for you, these are good movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you better you better watch what you say about Eastwood on this podcast. Yeah, this is not that American Sniper. Oh yeah, you know that's it's all right. American Sniper is a tough one to wrestle with. The other ones are good though. I I still think American Sniper is good, but it's hard to defend. <laughs> but. Yeah, I think that he can just keep doing those, I guess. I'd like mm-hmm. him to just go more just like basic genre stories. You know, he's like so old now. Yeah. Uh, that I guess these plucked from the headlines things are just easy for him to churn out year by year. So, yeah, I guess he could just keep doing it. True. And I feel like he's kind of doing the same things that he would do in his other movies with these real life events. And that's what's kind of, I don't know, fun to me in watching them that he's kind of applying something that he's already done to you know, real life event. I mean, fifteen, seventeen. Yeah. How could you get more realer than that? That is extended clip remembers fifteen, seventeen. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, uh, JT, if I remember correctly, you're not exactly a, a late Eastwood head, but did you no, see yeah. the uh, Richard Jewell trailer? I haven't. I'm like, I'm curious to like give like, because I feel like an, like pre Mule, I was uh, more along with Nico, where I was like. I had pretty, like, without really uh, having, like, seen much Eastwood, I do, like, I think the only thing towards the tail end of his career before that was, like, Gran Torino, and I was, like, pretty skeptical, but The Mule has made me want to really consider more and, like, deep dive. I'm not sure if I'm, like, all the way sold, but I definitely, like, um, I think late Eastwood be, would be more my speed. Well, next time you come over, we're forcing you to watch Gran Torino. It's it's amazing. It's so <laughs> we're good. gonna sit on your hands and make sure you <laughs> don't get up. I love the scene in Gran Torino where he takes him to the barber shop and like, this is how you talk like a man. Like that's if you, if you don't recognize the genius in that the, the, the construction that's going on there, you you need to pack your bindle. For those unaware, uh, Clint Eastwood is mentoring the young man, and he takes him to the barber shop. And uh, Clint Eastwood and the barber just hurl slurs at each other for f- three minutes, and then he white slurs because they're both white. So yeah, it's exactly. Like That's the, all what we cut out of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just I JT was. calling me a Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then at the end of the scene, he caps it with, "See, that's how men talk." Yeah, uh, which clearly is not sincere <laughs> but then and then the kid tries it and he does it wrong he's just he's too abrasive and he's too yeah. he's not like graceful with it i don't know I, I i a lot of inspiration from that scene to me yeah gran torino look again hard to defend in real life when you're with people who just say it's <laughs> racist and you're like shit man i, I mean i don't yes. have time <laughs> i don't have time to type out a defense right now <laughs> uh, no, but come on, it's it's yeah. very obvious, you know, the the only way that the integration of this neighborhood can happen is the death of the racist old white man. So, yeah, progressive movie. Are old are are old white men not racist? That's what I say to these people when, they, when I'm defending <laughs> uh, in public. Uh, that, that that was kind of what my issue with the uh, the mule was, because like I'm not anti Eastwood. Uh, I just, he's never lit much of a fire. Uh, and the mule I thought was, uh, like well made, but a little, I don't know, unengaging and kind of obvious with what it was going for after a certain point. Like how you just said with Gran Torino, like the only thing that can happen is that this 
like this to culminate uh, uh, mixing of the races uh, for the old white man to die, um, which is like it's done well and it's certainly not a bad point to make, but like you can kind of see the writing on the wall there for a second, and I guess I'm just not. Yeah, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe I'm too woke for Clint. Don't you think there's some fun and games along the way, though? I don't know. There's, don't know. yeah. For Eastwood, for me, it's so much of it is formal. You know, like mm-hmm. he knows where to put the camera and when to cut, like at all times, even if it seems really low key and laid back, kinda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. People talk about him being lazy because he only does one take or whatever like that, but he's so locked into his own filmmaking rhythms that. I, he just pulls off these like minor miracles of filmmaking in these little inconsequential scenes that just kind of push me through more so than like an overarching message of a movie would, I guess. Yeah, I don't message. It's like I, I feel like he's not the most rich in terms of message. It's a lot of it's just you know you got to kill your heroes. That's basically the message of every Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, and hey, that's better than him just talking about his politics. Like, yeah, <laughs> the chair. Gotta love it. Gotta <laughs> love the chair. Yeah. That was that's that was actually cool. Not embarrassing. Looking back, it was pretty cool. C- compared to you got this orange guy in office. <laughs> I didn't see the Richard Jewell trailer. I don't you think I'm it? going to. No. I'm I, gonna hold out. I and I like Eastwood trailers yeah. usually, but I'm gonna hold out. Fuck it. I I've Respect. been so enamored by the fifteen seventeen to Paris and the mule and Sully that you know what? Give it to me straight up. I don't want to know any. <laughs> no I don't, don't want to see a single image. And I've seen stills that people have posted on Twitter or whatever, but that's enough. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I have seen the trailer, and I'm. I'm really hyped for it. It's. It's a really. It might be one of my favorite Eastwood trailers in recent memory. It's a really Damn. good Eastwood trailer. Because the Mule trailer was <sighs> like a work of art, and True. so was the American Sniper trailer. Yeah, you know, honestly, if your movie has a really good trailer, automatic three stars behind it because. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember like watching the stars born trailer last year so many times mm-hmm. i'm pretty like i don't even really care about the movie just what a masterpiece of a trailer oh yeah the idea <laughs> of the movie is so good because the yeah. trailer yeah no yeah it makes it better a hundred percent and i was even skeptical because people would tweet about the stars born trailer and i was like oh my god get over it mm-hmm. and then i saw the movie and then I would just like see the ad on TV and just be like, oh man, that was that was a fun movie. That was a good time. Fun time. But Bra- it's only the parts that are in the trailer. <laughs> Bradley Cooper learned how to direct from none other but Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Just a little trivia fact for the, the <laughs> you know fans at home keeping score. Well, I guess. Yeah, I'll Eddie, have next. you watched anything this week or recently since I- we've last left off? I have watched quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, close listeners and fans will know that i've been recently unemployed so i've been back on my movie watching game usually i only watch like two or three movies between episodes it looks like i have watched nine between these recording sessions settle Uh, down brother (laughs) yeah put down the the 35 millimeter reels dude (laughs) quite a bit of television along the way too uh you know we're talking about politics. I'm going to talk about some political cinema, Rocky IV. Uh, took another look at that one last night. And as a kid, I remember thinking it was like dumb. And I just like ran through all the Rocky movies via Blockbuster as like a nine or ten year old or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, the later movies, those are just like goofy. And, you know, I was a real sophisticated nine year old. I liked mm-hmm. the gritty first Rocky, <laughs> the one that won yeah. an Oscar. Thank you very much. Acclaimed. 
but you know, a couple of years ago, I realized that Rocky Three is probably my favorite, and it's just the most fun one for me. So I took another look at Rocky Four, and man, talk about Cold War fever! Uh, it doesn't get any more uh, red scare than this, and I'm not talking about the podcast. <laughs> That's the second week in a row I've made that joke. Hey, yeah, yeah. You, yeah I got to keep good. doing it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you need to have one, get one locked and loaded for the next one. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's not hard to find uh, criticism or like uh, a claim for this film from, uh, you know, auteurists and kind of left uh, film Twitter people who. Is that a thing? Yeah, no, for sure. Left film Twitter, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the left Twitter people who are film Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get what you mean. I get that's like mean. half of that's like what film Twitter is for me because I don't follow mm-hmm. dumbasses. I only follow uh, apolitical and right wing <laughs> film Twitter accounts. <laughs> well, other than Lights Camera Jack, Lights Camera Jackson is so far right that it makes up for the otherwise left leaning mm-hmm. timeline. True. What are you gonna put, put yourself in an echo chamber? True. <laughs> <laughs> you got to hear all sides. All sides yeah. matter. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's easy to find stuff just talking about how good the montage is here and how it's, you know, political undertones are so obvious and how genre films reflect society. It's a really fucking fun movie. That's just like 90% montage. And uh, yeah, Dolph Lundgren just whoops ass and he's just, ta- I just forget, you know, how much he was towering over Rocky. And I was surprised that didn't burn into my mind more watching it in no doubt like a cropped academy ratio version of it because i watched those on tape the first time through uh he should have appeared even taller but you know it didn't sear into my brain then but it did now and uh yeah i'm sure i'll be thinking about rocky 4 for a while now the way that rocky 3 has been floating around my brain for the last couple years uh that's the one with living in america right oh yeah (laughs) james brown performance yeah it has the james brown living in america and it has the like remix of Eye of the Tiger kind of. It's like an extended verse version where all the lyrics are changed uh, to be about like America being like pretty freaking cool. And that's kind of sick. I also, number that. one, yeah, because it's all America versus the Soviet Union. You know, mm-hmm. he um he knocks the shit out of Apollo Creed because mm-hmm. he's not like a, a professional fighter. This guy, uh, but he knocks the shit out of Apollo Creed. So. You know, Rocky's got to take him on, and they fight in Russia. Uh, and in Russia, boxing match watches you. I don't know if you guys heard about this. <laughs> nice. You know, you know. One, one point I want to make about this movie. I feel like no one's ever made this point before. Really pro-American movie <laughs> using the Russian art of montage. <laughs> yeah it uses montage better than almost any american action movie from the time and look i'm a big fan of uh american action movies from this time and especially sports movies you know Mm -hmm. and i've been on a big sports movie kick lately i've been downloading some more i've been watching sports movies and this really hit that note that i was looking for perfectly yeah ever since the dodgers lost yeah that's the thing uh the Dodgers lost again, and movies have never disappointed me the way that sports do. So now I'm taking comfort in the cinema. Are you a big Rocky fan? I like the original Rocky a lot. I haven't checked out the others. Oh, really? Yeah. Dude, You, I think you would love like three and four for Dude, sure. You know, Two is yeah. kind of a retreat of one, but it's yeah. good. Uh, three been, and four has, are insane. Has, has, anyone here ever, has anyone here ever gone boxing? Oh, no. No, but I've put up my fists a couple no. times. Have you? Can we do extended clip fight club right now? Uh, no, 
No, it can't. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, JT? Have you ever gotten? Mika's been Mika's been beating the shit out of me this entire episode. <laughs> I've just been taking it like a man and haven't said anything. Hell yeah, beating you <laughs> off this entire episode. <laughs> rack them all right so we got another email here we got one more this one's a long one this one is a long one it's from james mclaren he says hey guys in the lead up to the exciting release of ang lee's gemini man i've been recently reading interviews with the man himself and in particular one quote from him about (laughs) that's what i thought too (laughs) i believe he's referring to ang lee (laughs) (laughs) it's like that he talked to him before the movie came out (laughs) Which one did he talk to, though? <laughs> the old Angley or the young Angley? <laughs> oh, is Angley the Gemini man? <laughs> That's sick. But you were... The email, yes. In particular, one quote from him about the state of film criticism struck me. He said, I spoke to Martin Scorsese once, and he said, in the 1970s, they would consider what you were trying to do and criticize you from there. They would judge you on what it's supposed to be, not by whatever it is that they want to see. What do you guys think? Do you think film criticism has declined in recent years, and why? Also, who are your favorite critics working today? And there's a there's a PS on there, and we'll, we'll get to that later. But um, let's take this one step at a time, folks. <laughs> First question was, what do you guys think? Uh, I think about movies mostly. What about you? John Oliver, John Oliver, Thick. <laughs> John, yeah, who's the hottest late night TV show? <laughs> what? Uh, what? Um, no, I. To be honest, uh, I think people are guilty of like judging films on what they want to see for sure. I don't know enough about film criticism history to say because I feel like that's something that's probably been going on for a while. I don't know. That's that would be my guess. Now I'm I'm no movie expert, but I do have a podcast so yeah i mean scorsese's talking about in the 70s he would have been received this way and maybe it is true that in that brief period of time uh that you know the quote-unquote new hollywood was going on in those whatever 12 auteurs got to run wild uh that critics were more open to just like seeing things from that lens true. and letting people get away with stuff but you know I think that still happens today when the more established auteurs release films, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure film criticism was really shitty back then, though. If you read the fucking, the the Santa Clarita, uh, like, <laughs> whatever I... that, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I nice. forgot what the Santa Clarita newspaper was called. Uh, I went to community college out there and was a journalism student at the time, so I should remember. Damn. Yeah, I was supposed to be an intern there, but I changed my major to film. Anyway, they were probably re- putting out film reviews in the 70s in the local paper, and they were probably absolute garbage, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like everyone was Pauline Kale or Vincent Camby. Uh, and mm-hmm. come on, are we really even Camby stands on here? <laughs> Don't even know who that is. Who's the, who's the guy from the Today Show? The big mustache? Oh, uh, Al Roker. Al Roker. He's my favorite film. <laughs> <laughs> I, like... I feel like, to some extent, like, there is, like, on, who has, like, a larger platform. Like, with what you were saying about just, like, some, some bozo in a newspaper. But I feel like now you can gain, like, a larger platform if you don't, like, I mean, not to say that, like, to be a film critic or, like, even a good one, you have to, like, be aware of, like, history or anything. But, like, I don't know. Come in with, like, a fresh 
perspective or like even in like the the form of the writing itself and i feel like a lot of like the criticism that rises uh to like mainstream success today is kind of like cheap and kind of shitty yeah i think Mm -hmm. that criticism that reaches mainstream success today is both cheap and shitty uh, I think that it's good that more people have an outlet now because obviously yeah, you're going to get more voices that you wouldn't have gotten in, say, a local Santa Clarita paper in the 70s. But, however, there's still like a billion more people online now that have the platform to just write about film like those guys used to. Yeah. You know? And those are all the superhero YouTubers. Yeah. Uh, and there's a billion of them. And there's a billion, you know, fan sites, whatever. I remember going to f- in film school there is this one kid who ran this Marvel fan site that was in all my screenwriting classes. And he was so ecstatic one day when we were like handing in our scripts and we thought it was because he was done with his script, you know, because everyone was happy to be done. Yeah. And he was like, I got a scoop on my Marvel site and it got 3000 hits in an hour. I was like, shit, dude, damn, you're already successful. (laughs) You don't need to be here. Yeah. You pack your bags, man. Um, Yeah. Also like as, as, as many like, uh, good like new fresh perspectives you could get like like you said there's so many people just regurgitating like one person's shitty opinion you know yeah so it's a it's a double-edged sword do you have any favorite film critics either working now or all-timers i mean i'm like i said i'm not i'm not a studied man i love honestly the first this is uh the first film critic i really read heavily was godard and he's still one of my favorites and nice. like I like his incoherence because I feel like I'm very incoherent at times and like, you know, so like I kind of take inspiration from that. So I'm going to go Godard's my favorite critic. Yeah, honestly, that's a fucking ballsy move, but I respect it uh, because he does say a lot of stuff that does not make any sense at all. But he also has these like strokes of genius in his criticism sometimes that are only could be from the mind that had all those strokes of genius as a director you know mm-hmm. uh yeah he's great and jt he's, do you have any uh or sorry go one ahead. more thing about like yeah he's not afraid to say like some big things too not afraid to make some big statements and that always makes reading a little bit more fun in my opinion yeah jt do you have any uh all-time fave critics um i think it wouldn't be surprising to say uh jonathan rosenbaum i'd yeah. say yeah, is like same. an all-timer for me it was like i don't know I had heard the name like when I like got in like early and I was like, I don't know. It was, he was one of those critics early on that like kind of vexed me because it, he was a little bit, uh, or a lot bit smarter than I am. And so I like, it took me a while to like sort of warm up to his stuff. But now I think like, even if like, like I always feel like I get a really good conception of where Rosenbaum is coming from and his work is just so powerful yeah rosenbaum is probably my number one all-time favorite film critic uh he is obviously a very smart person and his writing makes me feel very stupid but when you can latch onto it it's brilliant and you generally can it's just some stuff you kind of have to take a second pass at because he gets very in his own head and let's keep it real you know he's a bit of the he's a bit of a uh of a fiend for the ganj that jonathan rosenbaum so <laughs> sometimes he can go on uh pinch esque uh kind of ranty page-long yeah. sentences uh, that are often really inconsequential but kind of funny and kind of makes points that he'll probably make again later in the book if you're reading something like moving places other than rosenbaum 
was that a cat on the podcast? I'd like yeah, to say that hello was a to cat. this cat. Did you step yeah, on it's, uh, it? Yeah, it's uh, Funches. Uh, like the comedian Ron are... Funches? Like Funches uh, I didn't ask Nico's uh, uh, roommate, but uh, that could be very well why <laughs> it's named Funches. That's cool. We respect comedians. We love comedy. Kind of like the Joker. Oh, the Today Show guy's name is Gene Shallot. Oh, Gene Shallot. Oh, yeah. 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 So Gene Shallot's your favorite film critic? Yeah, Gene Shallot or Truffaut because he's horny. Yeah, Truffaut Mm -hmm. definitely is cool. Uh, A lot of that French New Wave stuff, you know, the criticism is pretty good. Um, Truffaut's awesome because literally, like, if he's writing about Marilyn Monroe, or Greta Garbo, he's just talking about how much he wants to fuck them. But <laughs> like, it's always he's always like a little boy when he's talking about them, and it seems like mostly born out of like pure admiration as opposed to well, there's a lot of just sexuality, but sexual like, admiration, sexual admiration, <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of that in Rosenbaum too. In uh, Moving Places, he talks about being horned up for like a poster with Doris Day on it as like a five year old. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Right on. Doris Day. Uh, speaking of that lane of horny criticism, we gotta talk about Anthony Lane, everybody's favorite, just yeah. gross out perv who uh, the New Yorker still thinks is a genius. I guess mm, I respect a, uh, like a tasteful pervert. You know what I mean? That's, a, that's <laughs> like that's something I look for. Not even in criticism, but just writing in general. I believe we talked about his Incredibles 2 review on the negative episode. Uh, the episode that never made it to air the before one, episode one. The one you don't get to hear. The yeah. one you don't have access to. Uh, but Anthony Lane talked about wanting to get down and dirty with Mrs. Incredible in his review of the recent Incredibles movie. And uh, yeah, we're big fans, right? Yeah, he said he spilt his Sprite. Something you know what like I mean? that. <laughs> you know, fellas at home, you know what it means when you spill your Sprite in a movie theater, right? <laughs> it's actually even a joke. Tim Heidecker on uh, on Cinema, an episode I saw today, he made a joke about putting a cold soda between his legs <laughs> during a movie. <laughs> no, that's my trick is I cut a hole in my sprite if she wants some you want a sip <laughs> you yeah, want a sip so she's literally sucking my yeah dick. that counts that counts i don't even want my dick sucked i just want it to you know count <laughs> jesus christ yeah what was, was there more to this yeah. question uh no it was just kind of the oh well there was a ps after that but there's there some PS, other critics yeah. i wanted to shout out just for the extended clip canon um we are big Armand Whiteheads. Are oh, yeah. I love, yeah, Armand White. I should have said Armand White. That's definitely the, like, I don't read any critics besides <laughs> Armand White. Like, I'm not even kidding. That's, like, the only person I really, I mean, I, I, I love Rosenbaum. I've read yeah. I've read a lot of Rosenbaum. But in terms of, like, current events, I just want to see what Armand White has to say. Because he'll just be, like, he'll just pull up, like, a random movie from 1968. And he's like, this movie sucks because it's not this movie. Yeah. It's the best type <laughs> of criticism. Uh Rosenbaum is my goat. Armand is probably my favorite right now, just out of curiosity. Uh, Nico, are you aware of Armand White? Uh, I'm, I'm familiar. Uh, he's what? He's bad, and like people like him because he's bad, and he no. uses to no, I mean, there's an element of that. Like he's a Republican. He writes for the National Review. Sounds pretty bad to me. Yeah, uh, but he's you know he's one of your classic uh, gay black Republicans, mm-hmm. and he's been like a kind of a contrarian critic for decades now before being just like a explicit right wing critic. You know, 
He was even the uh, chair of the New York uh, Film Critics Circle three times, as per his Twitter handle, <laughs> at 3xchair, which I thought, <laughs> I thought that meant like three times extra large chair. <laughs> I've never put that together about his Twitter handle before. That's fucking amazing. See, that's see, that's why you got to fuck with Armin White. That's that success mindset success right there. Success mindset. He's like a legitimately like good writer though. Like he's good at no, writing. No, for sure. That's yeah, why yeah. he's interesting. Yeah. Is that you read his old stuff and it's legitimately really coherent. Like his review of something like AI, and uh, then you go to the new stuff and it has like a couple paragraphs of like actual like really good criticism, and then just like your standard national review paragraph yeah. about how it mirrors the future that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez wants for our <laughs> wants for our future socialist kids that we're yeah. gonna bastardize. I think his if I remember his byline on Parasite, he said it's it's a uh, it's a uh, another more trash for the anti-fa generation. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! And I say keep pumping him out. Yeah, it's it's uh, he writes for National Review and Out.com. You know, he loves being like that paradox. He loves being that living paradox. He like really that's real in that. Joker energy. Yeah, yeah. Not a fan of Joker either. What he does best is at the end of the year he sets the oh, law. He sets yes. it straight. Uh, he does, instead of just like a straight up top 10 of the year, he does a, his Arm and White better than list, which just goes to show that he is better than you and he has better taste than you. Mm-hmm. And so he frames his top 10 as 10 movies that are better than movies that are probably on your list. Uh, so and he good. talks about why the movie that's on the establishment critics list sucks and why his pick, which is often something with below 50 percent on metacritic uh is much better than the oscar contender you know or just something and he's usually right yeah, yeah or just something deep cut highbrow like, oh yeah. yeah he loves like yeah he'll like he it'll be like yeah some a movie that everyone hates or just a movie no one's heard of or had the privilege of saying yeah i mean he's a godar head for sure he oh, has yeah. a godar quote as like his twitter bio you know yeah. and he talks about he makes the reference to like la chinoise and made in usa all the time for what he refers to as like leftist hysteria films which are just like down the middle liberal movies yeah he's the ultimate red scare critic yeah and i'm not talking about the podcast no but he he's perfect for this era because like him writing for the national review is gonna just like continue to just bring all of these great like uh anti-leftist sentiments with the rise of the left and it, it is like obviously bad that like this ideology is like getting into popular discourse or whatever but yeah. i mean hey it makes for extremely fascinating film criticism i didn't make and it the this world's way. gonna end anyway yeah. so it's like you know who cares about which critics we read politically yeah it's not my fault i also got into criticism from pauline kale but i don't really like her as much anymore i still like her though i go to bat for her more than others in Mm -hmm. our circles of film twitter she has a tone you know i respect that she's a good writer yeah yeah. she's wrong 80 percent of the time yeah i respect people who are wrong more than people who are right to be honest yeah Uh, James also says, P.S. If the question is too long and boring, well, too late for that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are your favorite Ang Lee films? Mine would be Crouching and he lists his favorite Ang Lee films. Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk. Yeah, I, I've never seen an Ang Lee movie. Whoa. I've only seen his Hulk film. But I'm excited for Gemini Man. True. I'll see Gemini Man. You know, prices are showing right now that if you go to the early bird here at Winnetka, uh, it's only eight ninety nine to see it in the high frame rate three D. Really? Which is like oh, twenty five wow. bucks at most places. Okay. It's like eighteen bucks during the day there, which is cheaper than most places yeah. still. But 
Uh, I'll, I'll check it. I might check out Gemini Man. I'm definitely going to check out Billy Lynn's long halftime walk for uh, decade catch-up lists, though. Yeah. But I've never seen an Ang Lee movie. I mean, I've seen uh, Life of Pi, which is... I remember it being fine. I don't really have any issue or umbrage yeah. with it. I know Blank Check did a season on Ang Lee, which means I'll never watch any of his movies. Yeah, I've never listened to that podcast, but I just see that guy... I see people retweet him, and I'm just like, fuck that guy, dude. Yeah. That guy sucks. Which one? The one who did the Woody Allen movie or the one who's a uh, critic? The one who's a critic. Yeah, that guy. That guy's even worse than the one who was in the Woody Allen movie. No, nah, at least who's that pretty guy, obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, at least I don't know anything about the guy who did the Woody Allen movie, but at least he has shit going on. Yeah, he's fine. He's just obnoxious yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, the critic sucks at being a critic. Yeah, I just don't like his Twitter presence. I've never read anything, but I could just tell him. Just like it's even worse. Yeah, yeah, damn, it gets worse. Well, like last week, we end with some smack talking. Oh yeah, we. Should, I mean, that was kind of. I have, I have something to add. Oh, for sure, Nico, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I've only ever seen Billy for uh, Hulk and Crouching Tiger, but he has a movie from 1994 that's called Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, uh, which seems to be about a master chef. Who's retired and widowed, uh, and he has three beautiful daughters who are all unattached uh, <laughs> and live with him. And he slowly, like each of them, gets married and moves out, and their situation changes. And it sounds like an Ozu movie, and it sounds really good. So that's the pick of the week. Damn. Uh, eat what and drink who? <laughs> Eat, drink, man, woman. Right Eat, pray, love by England. <laughs> well, with that, make sure you watch Eat, Pray, Love for next week's episode. I think that about answers the question. And that's it. So, uh, yeah, if you want to email us, it's extendedclippodcast at gmail.com. And I'm on Twitter at iPod underscore video. I'm on Twitter at Bitchface Palace. Oh, I'm at Tall Boy Thin Legs. And Nico, you want to plug your Twitter or Instagram? No, it's fine. All right, cool. <laughs> Bye. Hi, I'm back. And I promised you at the head of this tape that I would uh, go in a little bit more details about the film that you just saw. Now, a very interesting kind of story happened about how uh, uh, Wong Kar Wai made Chunky. He was doing this epic swordsman film called Ashes of Time.